0: I wanna talk to you this weekend about being closer to his presence. We've been talking about this year, getting closer to God, closer to the dream that God's put in your heart, closer to fulfilling God's plan for your life. And you know, we can't do any of that without getting closer to his presence. His presence is a priority for the promises and for the dreams that he has placed in front of you to fulfill. That we, if we're going to fulfill those dreams and we're going to see the fulfillment of those promises, we're going to have to get closer to his presence. And the story that we've been talking about for the last couple weeks is the story of Joshua in the Bible. And a lot of people who've been in church kind of, they think when they hear the name Joshua, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? Right. But there's so much more to his story. Joshua was a young servant who who served a great leader um, who was much older than Joshua named Moses. And while Joshua was serving Moses for all those years, God put a dream in Joshua's heart. How many of y'all got a dream in the room today? Come on, I have a dream. God wants to give you a dream, just like he gave Martin Luther King Jr. a dream. God wants to give you a dream for your family, for the future. And Joshua got a dream in his heart that wouldn't come to pass for 40-plus years. And during that time of waiting for his dream to come to pass, he was serving Moses. And last week, we left off on Joshua sending out two spies to go and check out what Jericho looked like. And the Israelites were still camped out in a place called Shidem. I don't know how you pronounce it, but we'll just say Shidem. And... Uh, and they were camped out there, and they had not yet crossed over. And those two spies went and stayed in Jericho at a woman's house named Rahab. Y'all remember Rahab last week? She was the prostitute that God used to display his glory. Come on, Jesus. And so we, we left off last week that these two spies came back to Joshua, and they said, this land is ours. But before they could cross over the Jordan River and go into Jericho, Joshua needed to be reminded that the presence of God was his priority, that the presence of God was what was going to lead him towards the victory. And before we we continue on in the book of Joshua, chapter three, I want us to look at Exodus 33, because it's here that we find where Joshua was younger. 40 years prior to this, where Joshua was serving under Moses, he was learning to hear the voice of God, and he was learning to follow the presence of God. In verse one of Exodus 33, the Lord said to Moses, leave this place. You and all the people with you who have come out of Egypt and go up to the land that I promised. I want to stop right there. What God was trying to tell Joshua here, well, Moses, what God was trying to tell Moses here is where you are is not supposed to be where you stay. Just because you've come this far and you've gotten out of Egypt and you're no longer in shackles and chains doesn't mean that you've arrived. God was saying, I've got more in store for you. See, God has more in store for you. Just because you conquered an addiction doesn't mean that you've arrived at your greatest spiritual maturity. God says, I want you to set other people free. I want you to step into a greater land of victory, a greater land of prosperity, just because you might've had a good year last year. See, the enemy of great, the enemy, well, the enemy, I would say the enemy of where you're at if it's good or if it's great is always going to be right there it's going to keep you in this place of arrival it's 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 like there's this mindset that says you know I'm good I've I've kind of reached where I want to be And yet God is saying, there's more, there's more. I have greater things in front of you than what you've seen. Don't get stuck in Shidem. Don't get stuck in this place and get comfortable with dysfunction. Don't get comfortable with how far you've come. Don't get comfortable just because you're out of Egypt doesn't mean you're in a permanent spot. He says, leave, get ready for the place I have for you. To get ready for where I have what God has for you, you have to get closer to his presence. You don't get direction for the future by just wandering aimlessly and, you know, living your life with no discipline to spend time with God. It requires an intentional effort to lean in and say, God, what are you speaking? Where are you directing me? What are you wanting me to do? And so Moses is leaning in. He's saying, God, what are you saying? And God says, Moses, I have a land that I promised to your father, Abraham, to his son, Isaac, to Jacob, to all your ancestors. I have something greater for you. I have something that's far better than where you're at. Don't stay here. Everybody say, we can't stay here. Now, he's not talking about a location because sometimes we think, you know, my promised land is in another state or it's in another location. It's in another place. He's talking about a greater level of spiritual impact, a greater level of legacy for your family. In other words, don't get comfortable with how far you've come in your finances. Don't get comfortable with how far you've come in your relationships. Don't get comfortable with how far you've come in your spiritual maturity. God says there's more. If I can continue to stretch you and lead you and guide you, I can set you up to leave something even greater behind for your descendants. He was trying to set them up for future generations to go further. You see, your parents, they they, they led you this far. But, but I hear God saying, it's time for you to take the next generation even farther. You can go faster, you can go further. God was trying to tell them, don't get stuck here. Continue to grow. He who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. And then God says to Moses, I'm going to send an angel ahead of you. And I'm gonna drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, all the ites. He says, I'm going ahead of you. Can I tell you that God is going ahead of you to drive up depression and fear and worry and setback? God is going ahead of you in 2022. His promise is that he has already gone ahead of us. He leads his people. And he says, go up to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. There's something greater in front of you. But then God says this to Moses. He says, but I'm not coming because you are stiff-necked and I I might destroy you on the way. What, you know, in the Old Testament, there was moments where God got so disturbed by the stubbornness of the Israelites. They were so stuck in their old ways. God was trying to get them to move forward, but they were stiff-necked. How I many of y'all know what it means to be stiff-necked, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> When I was younger, I was like, what is a stiff-necked person? I just like thought they walked around. They couldn't move their head, you know, but stiff-necked means you're stubborn, You're stubborn, you're unchangeable. I was trying to tell our three-year-old the other day, Mac, to do something and he was like, no. And I was like, yes you will in Jesus' name. I was casting demons out of our three-year-old. Come on, how many of y'all got some kids that you are still helping to overcome their stubborn moments? How many of y'all are those kids that sometimes get stubborn with your parents or with your spouse or with God and you're like, I'm not changing, you know? Yes, you are. You're going to change. And this is what God was saying to the Israelites. He's like, I'm trying to change you. I'm trying to lead you. I'm trying to help you. And the people were resistant to change. And I wonder if there's still people in the church today that are resistant to change. You can actually be spiritually mature in the knowledge of God and yet spiritually immature when it comes to changing with the nature of God. God was like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They understood the scripture. They were very strong from a, a spiritual maturity as far as scripture memorization goes, but they were very immature when it came to embracing the fresh new thing that God was trying to do. They were so stuck in their old traditions and their old ways that they didn't know how to change. And God was trying to lead the Israelites. He was saying, I want to take you somewhere further. I want to guide you. I want to direct you. I have something greater for you. But their stubbornness was holding them back. What's holding you back from crossing over to the other side that God has for you this year? Is it fear? Is it laziness? Is it traditions? Is it what people are trying to tell you? Is it Is it because you've become so comfortable in your current state? So God says to Moses, he says, listen, I'm I'm wanting to get you out of this land and tell the Israelites, tell them that they are being stiff-necked, tell them they're being stubborn and tell them to get ready because I have something greater for them. So Moses goes to meet with God about this in verse seven, because Moses is kind of like, God, I don't want to go somewhere that you're not coming with me. So he goes to meet with them, and it says he took a tent, and he pitched it outside the camp, verse 7, some distance away, and he called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who was wanting to know what God had to say would go into the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, the people would rise up and stand until Moses entered the tent. And as Moses would go into the tent, a cloud would come down and cover the entrance of the tent while the Lord spoke with Moses. This was an interesting thing that happened in the Old Testament. When the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they would all stand and worship at the entrance of their own tents. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. So God would talk to Moses as a friend would talk to you. And, and God wanted to get close to Moses. Everybody said, get closer. God wants to talk to you this year. God wants to talk to you about your future. He wants to talk to you about your dreams. He wants to talk to you about your relationships. He wants to speak to you about matters that you need his counsel on. How many of y'all need God's direction on some stuff this year? Decisions, relationships, things that you're going, I made this decision. I just need to know that God's in it. Or maybe you're like, I've got to make a decision, but I don't know what decision to make, where I'm supposed to go. There's never a season in our life where we don't need direction. But I believe in 2022, we really need to hear the voice of God. We really need to be in sync, in tune. This is a year to not miss what God has for you. And so God is speaking to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses is talking to God. There's been moments in my life where I was so overwhelmed by the loudness and the busyness and the chaos all around me, and I just needed to hear God's voice. And I would come into this room on a night when no one was here. And I would come and stand on this stage or I would sit and I'd just get on my knees and I would just get quiet and I would say, Lord, speak to me, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you leading me to do right now? And all the chaos, did anyone ever see that baseball movie for the love of the game? And there's that moment where Kevin Costner, he's like pitching from the mound and there's loudness and everybody's screaming, all these fans, you know, 50,000 screaming fans. And then he has this thing. He says, silence the mechanism. And right when he does silence the mechanism, all the noise disappears. And he locks in on what matters most. That's what Moses was doing right here. He was silencing the noise of everyone else's opinions, of what everyone else was telling him to do. Moses, do this. Do that. Go here. Go that. Talk to this person. Do that with this person. And Moses would get alone with God and say, God, what do you want? And then the Bible says that Moses would get up, in verse 11, and he would leave. And this is where the story of Joshua gets very interesting. But his young aide Joshua would not leave the tent. Joshua would linger when Moses left. Joshua would stay in that tabernacle, in that tent of meeting, in the presence of God. And I believe this is where Joshua got the courage to continue. This is where Joshua got the perseverance that even though people didn't believe in his dream, that he was well able to conquer the promised land. See, Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that Moses sent previously in the book of Exodus. They were the only two spies that, that came back with a good report, with a vision, a dream. And yet for 40 plus years, they had to live with everyone else's disbelief. So how do you press through in a season when you're watching other people fulfill dreams and you aren't able to? When you're waiting for your dream to be fulfilled, I believe the way you press through is getting into the presence of God. When I'm close to the presence of God, I can handle the disappointments that I'm walking through. I can keep pressing through. I can keep serving Moses. I can keep loving people. But if I'm not in the presence of God, I'm gonna quit in the wilderness. How do you stay with it when you're walking through your wilderness season? You get closer to the presence of God. How do you move forward with faith into the promised land? You get closer to the presence of God. So then in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, God, you've been telling me to lead these people, but you have not told me who you're going to send with me. So Moses is saying, I can't do this by myself. I need a team, I need the Avengers. I need some, like where's my crew? I need, I need some guys that are strong and that are ready to run with me. And, and, and I honestly think Moses was hoping for some guys his age that would help him get through this season because he was surrounded by Joshua and Caleb and guys that were 40 plus years younger than him. And I think he was looking for people that understood the weight of leadership, the gravity of what he was carrying and, and what he was walking through. And God said, Moses, no one's going to understand it like you, but most importantly, you need to stop leaning on the crutches of every relationship in your life. As long as I'm with you, that's what matters. God was teaching Moses to stop depending on human relationships to get him through the difficulties of life. We need relationships, but when relationships become our God, that's when we need to remember it's only the presence of God that can sustain us. I didn't realize how much I leaned on the crutch of my dad until I lost my father. And when I lost my father, I felt like I lost my joy, I lost my purpose, peace for a while, I was depressed, I was discouraged, but I learned that the presence of God was with me even when my earthly father had left this earth that the the Father in heaven was still guiding me and directing me, sustaining me on the nights where I felt tired and weary. So God was telling Moses, Moses, you don't need all these relationships to sustain you. You, Moses said this, God, you said that you know my name and that you found favor with me. But if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. Watch, Moses is saying, God, I wanna know your ways. When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to teach God's ways to you? To say, Lord, teach me how to live for you. Teach me how to follow your ways. Moses doesn't say this so that he can, you know, be holy in the sight of God. He says, because I want to know you. Look at this in verse 13. He says, so that I may know you. This is a year to know God's heart, to seek God's heart, not just his hand. To say, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know your heart. I want to know your plans for my life. You know, uh, I was, I was telling the last service, if you're looking for like a bunch of points in the sermon, I'm just going to preach through the scripture. I preached a 22 point sermon a couple of weeks ago, but I believe God wants to give you your own points as you're reading through the scripture. This is a year to let the scripture jump off the pages and into your heart and let the Lord just begin to download thoughts. You know, a channel two news showed up last night at Saturday night service and um, and they said, hey, we wanna to talk to you about this Bible that, that you lost, that someone else found. And I was like, oh, you heard about that? They are like, yeah, we follow your Instagram. I was like, you follow my Instagram? Did you see my TikTok dance? Let's talk, <laughs> they said, we wanna to talk to you about this story. And it's a true story. Last Saturday night, this, this guy came up to me and brought this, you know, torn up, old, dirty Bible. And he said, hey, look at this. And he starts flipping through the pages and I'm seeing notes on the pages and little journal entries. And I'm thinking, I recognize that handwriting. And he flips to the front, it says P. Darty. And it was a Bible that I had lost back in high school. And he said, I found this at a shelter somewhere And he said, This Bible saved my life. I've been reading this off and on for the last, you know, 10 years and just recently surrendered my life to Christ, started coming to this church. And I I wondered if you knew whose Bible this was. I said, That's my old Bible. So channel two wanted to talk about it because they said, hey, it's been going viral on Facebook, and I guess a million people have seen that post in the last week. And they said, We wanted to talk about it. We want to run a story on it. So I start telling them about it. And I could tell, I said, Do you go to church and you know, the person that was there last night, they said, no, you know, they're, they're, I'm kind of a different religion than, than uh, you know, this, and I just haven't found a church, da-da-da-da-da, haven't found a, a place that I would want to go, and, and I said, you know, God has a plan for you, and they were just kind of looking at me like I was weird. I was like, you know, God had a plan for my lost Bible, and they were like, you think so? I was like, yeah, I think God was directing a divine intersection with my lost Bible to find that man. And, and I said, I think the reason that story resonated with people is because all of us have probably lost the Bible at some point, and we've wondered, where did my lost Bible go? Where did my lost journal go? That God was connecting the dots of it. She said, so you believe God like directs things? I was like, yeah, I believe that God is involved in our lives and God has a plan for your life. And then I looked at the, the news camera, I said, can I just talk to the people? They said, yeah, go for it. And I said, God has a plan for you and even your lost items. God's going to use what was lost to help find somebody else who's lost and get them back on a path to be found. I started preaching on. I don't know if they're going to run the whole story, but this is where God is talking to Moses. And he's saying, Moses, look at this in verse 14. He says, my presence will go with you. My presence, I'm going to guide you. When you're closer to the presence of God, he directs your steps. He orders your steps. The the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When you're close to God, he begins to he begins to lead you and direct you. And then Moses says this, he says, "If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us from here." We wrote a song called You Have My Yes and we sang it today during offering and it's from this scripture. Lord, if you're not the one leading me, I don't want to go. If it's not your voice, I don't want to hear it. If your presence doesn't show up, no, 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 no. But God, if it's just you and me, that's all I need because we're the majority. When you've got God, you've got the majority. When God, and listen, if God is for you, who can be against you? When you know that God is leading you and guiding you, I would rather be led and guided by God than led and guided by anything else. People in the world will say, follow the money, Follow them wherever the money goes, that's where you need to go. Follow the opportunities, follow the opinions of your closest friends, follow what CNN says, follow what Dr. Fauci says, follow what Fox News says. How about follow what God says? How about we move God to the top of the list of who's going to direct our decisions this year? You know, just as Daniel was doing offering earlier, I was thinking, by the way, Daniel Henshaw just got engaged this week. To his girlfriend, Abby, and so, so excited for them. But you know, every decision we make in life, the big ones and the small ones, we want to make sure, am I making a decision that I feel the peace of God in? Am I making a decision that I feel the presence of God in? And, and uh, for a long time I've been praying that God would lead Daniel to find the right girl. And I was like, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You answered my prayers. You answered Daniel's prayers. <laughs> I was so pumped as his close friend. But you know, I think about, hey, listen, if God did that and it's just the beginning of 22, anything could happen this year. Y'all, God's up to something great. Henshaw just got engaged. God's doing something big and beautiful this year. Somebody say, get ready, get ready, get ready. But those dreams and those steps and those big life-altering decisions need to be ran by God. Moses was saying, God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. No matter how big the paycheck is, no matter how great the opportunity is, even if my whole family is pressuring me into this decision, God, if your presence doesn't lead me, I'm not taking another step. That's how Close Moses was to the presence of God. He was saying, I need your presence directing my steps. And on the other hand, if everyone is saying, No, 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 but you're saying, Yes, I would rather disappoint man and please God than disappoint God and please everybody else's opinions. (laughs) Moses was saying, I want your presence and your voice leading me. And And then the Lord said this He says, I We'll do what you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Can I tell you this today? God knows your name, knows your address, knows the number of hairs on your head, and he has a plan for your life. Last night, the news station, they said, has anything like this ever happened to you where you lost a Bible and someone else found it? I said, no. And they said, anything close to this? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was 19 years old, something close to this happened. I was on a mission trip and we were ministering to homeless people in, in various cities and it was from Oral Roberts University, a group of students, and so I remember going, we went to Atlanta, Georgia, and we were out in a park in Atlanta, and there was homeless people all around, underneath the trees, and it was summertime, and I saw this man pushing like a Walmart shopping cart with all of his stuff, all of his belongings were in the cart, and he had you know a jacket, a blanket over him, had a hat on, and his jeans were really dirty, holes in his jeans, and he's walking, and he stopped, and he pulled out this big Bible, and he starts reading it. So I walk over to him. I said, hey, what are you reading? He goes, why do you care? I said, because I'm a Christian, and I see you're reading a Bible. And he said, well, what do you think I'm reading? I was like, I don't know, Psalms? It looks like you're in the middle. Psalms, Proverbs? He says, actually, I'm not reading the Bible. I said, well, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading this little book in here. And he pulls out this dirty, ripped-up, purple little book, and I recognized it. And he said, you ever seen a book like this? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have. And he goes, you have? And the little book said, You Are Valuable by Billy Joe Darty. And I said, where did you get that book? He said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, okay. And he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said, you're from Tulsa, Oklahoma? He said, I used to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said, that was a long time ago. I was a businessman. He said, I didn't used to be a homeless person. I used to have a good job, he said, I lost it, lost my wife, lost my relationship with my kids, and he said, man, I made some bad decisions, and I ended up getting a bus ticket, coming here, and I've been living here for the last couple years, he said, but I got this book in Tulsa back in the early 90s at a church, and I said, yeah, I know that church. He said, you know that church? Victory Christian? You know Victory? I said, yeah, I know Victory Christian. I know Victory. That's my church. That's your church? I said, that's my church. He said, well, you tell the pastor there that I still have that book. He said, I know it's a big church, but try to to go find that pastor. He said, you know his wife, she can sing too. I was like, she can sing. And he said, how well do you know them? I said, pretty well. (laughs) Hey, God orders your steps. God, when you are in tune with the presence of God, God brings divine intersections and relationships. The news station could not believe this story last night. They were like, no way. I was like, it gets better. He asked me, how close do I know them? I said, that's my parents. He ran and hugged me. He goes, no way. You're lying, man. I said, I'm not lying. Billy Joe is my dad. What? He said, give him this hug for me. Give your mama this hug for me. He's got tears coming down his eyes. He goes, how in the world did some kid from Tulsa run into some guy in a park in Atlanta, Georgia? Holding on to a book said, you are valuable. He said, I've been homeless for the last several years, but these words still ring true that I am valuable, that God knows my name, that God cares about the details of my life, that God is not finished with me yet. I just started praying for this homeless man, and I don't know where he's at today, but I do know this. God brings divine intersections in our life. And so Moses said, Lord, if your presence isn't leading me, I don't want to go. And God said, my presence is with you. I'm coming with you. And so we fast forward. Moses passed away and Joshua was in charge. And in Joshua chapter three, it was time for a new season for Israel. This was what Moses had been praying for. This is what Moses had been leading the Israelites up until. And Moses told Joshua, I won't be able to take the next step, but you will. But what Moses told Joshua before the book of Joshua, he said, make sure you follow God's presence. Make sure you carry the Ark of the Covenant with you, which represented the presence of God. Wherever you go, let that lead you. So in Joshua 3, Joshua had been leading these Israelites, and he had preached some good sermons. He had cast some vision, but he hadn't seen any miracles yet. He grew up with a mentor who had witnessed the 10 plagues come through Egypt, staff turning into a snake back into a staff, water turning to blood, the spirit of death coming through the blood of the lamb covered the doorpost of the Hebrew children. Joshua had seen the miracles displayed through Moses, but he had never seen a miracle displayed through his ministry. And in Joshua 3, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. Everybody said, get out of Shittim. Come on, you are not called to stay in Shidom. This is your year to break free of all of Shidom And went to the Jordan River where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see the presence of God, move out from your positions and follow it. Everybody say follow it. Follow the presence of God. It That Ark of the Covenant represented God's actual presence with the people. Then you will know, verse four, you will know which way to go because you've never been this way before. The only way we're gonna know which way to go is when we are close to his presence. Close to his presence. When the pandemic hit, People were saying, "Paul, you need to do this. Paul, you need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do exactly what so and so is doing." Did you see what Life Church? Did you see what Transformation? Did you see what Elevation is doing? Did you see what Hillsong? Did you see? And I, I said, "Listen, I honor all of those people. I love them. They're friends. They're great leaders, great pastors. But I need to hear from God on what we're supposed to do because we're not supposed to just follow every ministry out there. And God's leading them, but God's leading us too." And noise comes in when you open the door for so many opinions, and you go, okay, what should I do? I'm calling people. I'm texting people. What do you think we should do? You got to be careful whose opinions weigh the most in your life. My dad used to say, consider the source. If they've never carried the weight that you're carrying, don't give them too much weight in your decision. If they don't understand the consequences of a decision that they're pressuring you to make." Be careful how, you, how much you let them pressure you into doing what they want you to do. Because at the end of the day, you live with the results of your decision, they don't. So you need to know you heard from God. And I remember when the pandemic hit, I had to silence the mechanism because it was coming from everywhere. And I came in this room and I said, God, what do we need to do? What are you asking us to do? And that's when the direction began to flow for what we did as a church these last couple years during the pandemic. And anytime we've faced a difficult decision, I've had to come back to that closeness of the presence of God. God, what are you asking me to do? Lord, I wanna be close to your heart. By the way, don't just get close to his heart when you're in a crisis. Joshua was in the presence of God before he hit the Jordan River, before he was facing Jericho. He was close to the presence of God before he was walking through a circumstance. Don't just wait this year until things are bad to run back to church. Make an intentional effort to be in the presence of God when you're on the mountaintop before you're in the valley. When you're in the valley, get get deep into the, just say, Lord, what are you asking me to learn right now? What are you wanting to teach me? What's the next step here? I need to know. So God speaks to him. He says, follow the covenant, follow the promise, follow the presence. You will know which way to go because you've never been through 22 before. And the things I'm about to do, you need to to make sure you're following the presence. And he says, keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't get near it. Now, he wasn't talking about not getting close to the presence of God. He was talking about honoring the presence of God because people would disrespect the ark of the covenant. And you might go, well, that happened back then. That doesn't happen today. It does. We come into the presence of God and we check out on our phones and we play games and we're on social media. And y'all are like, crud, he saw me, I'm putting my phone up. (laughs) No, it's because I've done it before too. And we go, well, this series isn't for me. This is for someone else who needs direction. Oh, you don't need direction? God says, this is for you, man. You need to lean in because God wants to speak to nine-year-olds and 90-year-olds today. He wants to speak to 19-year-olds about what they're doing in college and the relationships in your single season and your married life season and your kids and your finances and all the stuff you're walking through. And God says, if you would just honor my presence and you would treat it like it's sacred and it's holy and it's beautiful and it's worthy of your attention, then you would get so much more direction this year. We miss out on what we don't honor The more I honor something, the more I get out from it. But the less I honor it, the less I get from it. So Joshua says, honor this presence. Verse 5, he says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate means to set apart to make something holy and sacred. He says, consecrate your hearts because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things among you. Consecration precedes expectation. Once I set something apart, I can expect something great from it. When I bring something to the altar, when I say, Lord, I'm consecrating my phone to you, I'm saying, Lord, I'm setting this phone apart. By the way, technology is not bad. It's just what we do with it. So I'm saying, Lord, use my phone this year to bring a whole lot of hope, a whole lot of grace, a whole lot of love. Lord, use everything I had, Lord, use my life this year. When I consecrate, when Hannah consecrated her son on the altar in the temple, Samuel, she was saying, Lord, he's your boy. He's not mine. So help me not to manipulate him. Help me not to try to control him, to fulfill mama's wishes. Help me to release his future into your hands, that he would hear your voice more than he follows my voice as his mom. How many of y'all want your kids to hear the voice of God even more than your own voice? about half the hands of the room, some of y'all are like, nope, I am the Lord's voice to my kids. <laughs> At some point, we've got to trust that God speaks, that there is no junior varsity Holy Spirit, that he's speaking to young and old and he's directing steps and he's opening doors and he's closing doors. And Joshua said, consecrate yourselves. God has something great for you. Take up the Ark of the Covenant, he said to the priest, and pass in front of the people. And the Lord said, today I will begin to exalt you, Joshua, in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. God's getting ready to do something spectacular through you this year, not for your glory, but for his glory. And then he says, tell the pastors who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you get to the edge of the waters, step into the river.'" This is a pastoral message, I think. For anyone in the room who desires to lead or do ministry, you have to be the first one who steps into the water before the others do. Faith without works is dead, and oftentimes God's looking for a leader who will activate the miracle. Miracles are motion activated. So he's looking for pastors who will step in front and say, I'll take the hit for you. I'll walk up to the edge. I'm getting all these guys in my connect group We're going to cross over this year from death to life, from addicted to free, but I'm going to be the first guy to be vulnerable in the connect group. And I'm going to step into the water with my vulnerability. I'm going to risk the scary place of being honest in front of all of you. God's looking for leaders who will take the first step into the flood before everyone else will. God's looking for ushers who will let everybody else into the room and then sit down. Leaders eat last. Pastors cross over last. They're the first ones to step into the water and they're the last ones to walk out of the river. They're the first and they stay in the middle. He says, "Once you step in, don't you run ahead. You want to go you want to go fast go alone, but if you want to go far go together." If you wanna see great fruit this year, help other people cross the river with you. So he says, priest, I need you to step into the water first because you're gonna activate the miracle. And when they did, in chapter three, it says when the, the second their feet, and by the way, this river was flood stage level. This was not Arkansas River. This was like Niagara Falls. Before you hit the falls, the rapids were crazy. They were stepping into a scary place. Faith is not faith until you are scared to do it. I got faith. I got faith to give a dollar in my wallet. (laughs) Yeah, but you just made $10,000. So giving a dollar wasn't a scary thing. It's when you do something that scares you. It's when you go somewhere. It's when you step out. You witness even when you're afraid of what they might do or say. And you start the conversation and say, how are you doing? It's It's that getting out of your comfort zone. He says, I want you to step af- I want you to take a step into the, f- the scary place, the flood waters. Faith without works is dead. Once they did, the water stopped. And part of it went to a town called Adam and the other part flowed into the Dead Sea. And the, the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground. A million plus people walked across a flooded river that dried up right in the center. And the priests stood in the middle and they helped people get across. I wonder how many of us have ran ahead because we're so excited. And God says, you left that teenage boy that I needed you to help cross over the middle. You left that single parent mom to to, to raise those kids by herself. You left some people that you need to go back and serve as a mentor. You need to go back and serve to help make sure those kids get across that river. You need to make sure this year is not just about you fulfilling your dreams. See, when Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream, it wasn't just about him. It was about his kids. It was about schools in America changing. It was about people getting past bigotry and racism and crossing the river to love other people. He was trying to help a whole nation cross the Jordan River. Who are you going to serve this year? If your dream is all about you, your dream is too small. Get your dream bigger. Who can you minister to this year? Who can you help cross over that? And listen, people take their time. Some people are slow. I imagine some of those families just kind of walking, looking around. See that bass? You know, they're just looking at fish swimming through the river. You see that catfish over there? And the pastors are like, keep it moving. Move with a purpose. Get out of Shytam in Jesus' name. And God says, be patient with the people that you're leading. Be patient to help them cross over. Walk with them through the immaturity. Walk with them. Even after week 11, if they still haven't conquered the addiction, keep on walking with people through the river. Keep on helping people cross over. Don't leave anyone behind in Shidom. We're all crossing over. So then when they crossed over, they reached Jericho and they stood on dry ground. And when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, chapter four, verse one, Joshua says, choose 12 men. God speaks to Joshua and he says, choose 12 men to go and find 12 stones in the middle of the river. The same place that I just performed a miracle, I want you to go back there and get 12 stones from the middle and then set those 12 stones up in verse eight, he says, set those 12 stones from the middle on the other side of the Jordan, so that one day when your kids ask you, what do these stones mean, you can tell them this is the place where God showed up. This is what God did. When we were standing in front of a flood, God carried us through the river of pain. God carried us from the other side where we had lost mom and dad and we had lost friends and we had lost people and, and it was tough and we were stuck in Shidem for 40 years. This is the place where God moved in our family. He led us across this place. It's different than what we expected. It took longer than we had hoped, but we made it to the other side. You need to tell the next generation if you're alive today, you're a living, breathing miracle. You've got a testimony. God said, stack these stones and remind the next generation. Remind your kids where God guides, he provides, where God directs, he protects. Your lost Bible found a new home. Those things you walk through that were painful, God's going to use them for your glory. The stuff that you thought was going to sink you is going to be the place that God propels you. The river that was supposed to flood your home is actually going to be the river that God leads you through on dry ground to somewhere greater. God was saying, these stones represent my faithfulness. These stones are a memorial. You cannot walk with confidence into the future if you forget what got you there. If you forget what brought you here. How many of y'all can say God has done something good in your life today? Raise your hand. What kept the Israelites parents from entering the promised land is not that God wasn't good, it's that they got so focused on what was wrong. They got focused on their disappointments and they allowed that to turn into complaining and murmuring, and they missed out on the promised land. So Joshua leads a new generation and he says, we are not gonna get focused on who we lost or what went wrong. We are going to focus on the good. We're going to remember the good thing that God did in the middle of the river, that God did it in a dirty place. God did it in a messy place, that we were in the middle of a miracle. We didn't even realize how great it was. Let that be our confidence booster this year, that God is guiding us. He's directing us. Come on, stand your feet all over this place. God's not finished with you. He's not finished with your story. He's got greater things ahead of you. I, I've got this in ear monitor with me on stage. And whenever I lead worship, I used to be a worship leader before I was a pastor for about 10, 15 years. And this right here, every now and then I like to just stay up here and play and write songs. And, and there's something about keeping this in that, that helps all the band members to stay in sync because we're listening to a click track. We're listening to the rhythm. We're, we're in sync with the drummer. We're playing the right notes. We can hear the next call. But when I take these out, I can't hear what's next. So I get ahead or I get behind or I lose track or I play the wrong notes. And this is a year that God's saying, put in the in-ears because I've got a rhythm for your life this year. It may not make sense to every family, may not be the thing that every mom is doing. It may not be the thing that every college student is doing. It may not be the trendy thing. It may not be what Dr. Fauci says to do. It may not be what CNN approves of, but stop letting everyone else's rhythm set the pace for your life this year. Stop letting everyone else's opinion determine your faith this year, because I want you to walk into the river that's flooded and open the door for another generation to cross over into something greater. And it might require you doing something that's scary, something that's embarrassing, something that's muddy, something that requires you to stand in the middle of a process that you want to run ahead of everyone else. And God says, stay here because there's more people that need to cross over. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us all across this place. And those that are watching online, I pray that this would be a year that we are not led by pressure from people, but we are led by the presence of God. I pray this year that we would be more focused on your presence than we would on what we could get from your hand, that we would seek your heart more than we seek your hand, that we would seek to be closer to you this year, to know your voice, to know your ways, to know your heart, that we would be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the divine intersections, whether it's stopping to help a homeless person on the side of the street, or whether it's stopping to help a young boy cross the River Jordan, stopping to help a family member who's in the middle of a messy place to make it to the other side. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the cries of people, that we wouldn't be like the priest that walks past the man who's in need, but we would be the good Samaritan. Lord, that this year we'd be so close to your heart that it flows out of our actions. Lord, that we don't just have knowledge of the scripture, but we live out the nature of God, the heart of God, to the people around us. Lord, I pray that we would would be led by your voice with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. If you're here right now and you just need to get closer to the voice of God, you know this is a year that you need to be intentional about getting closer to His presence. There's decisions you need to make. You need His peace guiding you. You need His love directing your steps. If that's you all over this room, just raise your hand today. God's talking to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Yeah, maybe you need just some wisdom on a relationship. Wisdom on a situation at home. Wisdom on something to do with, with your kids or with your parents or with a friend and you're going, I just I need to be led by God and not not by fear and not by pressure from people, but Yeah, hands going up. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. I need to surrender. I need to repent. I need his forgiveness. He's here. He loves you. And he wants to welcome you with those open arms as a father would welcome a son a daughter if that's you just raise your hand you're saying i need to get right with god today i need to surrender to him today if you raise your hand for either of those would you leave your seat come and join me at this altar come on make this an altar of consecration make this an altar where you build some stones up and say this is where god spoke to me this is where i set apart my year this is my crossover year into what god has for me into what God wants to do next in me. Yeah, come all the way from the back, those of you that raised your hands, we're gonna give you some time. Let's just worship in this room, all over this place, those that are watching online. Let's just lean into what God wants to do.
1: So pull me a little closer and take me.
0: them last night being at church and being up here most of the day and then getting home after they were asleep and I just was you know praying for them and just saying I love you I love you well one of them woke up <laughs> when I when I put my hand on his head it was Benny he said I missed you daddy and he grabbed my hand and he pulled it close to his chest I said I missed you too Benny and then he fell asleep then this morning he was up early about five thirty. He came in the room and he said, I didn't wanna miss you. He said, I know you have to go to church early, but I'm staying with you until you leave the door. I said, okay. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm about to take a shower, get ready. He said, I'm gonna be right here. (laughs) Sure enough, every 10 seconds I'd look back, there was Benny, just, just right there. And then as I was getting ready to leave, he just came right up and hugged me and he said, i'm gonna miss you i said i'm gonna see you in a couple hours at church he said i know but i'm gonna miss you while you're gone i said i'm gonna miss you too hugged him and i was thinking you know an earthly relationship between a good parent and a child is good but a relationship between a heavenly father because i'm not a perfect parent a, a relationship with a perfect father in heaven who has unconditional love for his kids who doesn't lose his temper at us, who doesn't say, I'm done with you, I'm so disappointed in you, he just says, come close. Whether you've missed it or you've made it today, whether you've done great or you're not doing so great, he says, come close, come close, come close, closer, closer. God says, I've missed you, I've missed you, I've missed you, I've missed you. The Lord loves to be close to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who know they need a savior. If you're here this morning, you just, you just want to get closer to God's heart this year, just lift your hands up all over this room and just say this with me, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me your child. I'm drawing closer. I want to know your heart. I wanna know your love. I receive it by faith. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. You're my savior. Holy Spirit, thank you for comforting me, guiding me, directing me. God, I'm gonna follow your presence. Your voice matters the most. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God loves you. Thanks so much for lingering today.